0: you have a bible we're going to go to the book of exodus exodus chapter 14 and we're going to start at verse 3 read a few portions of scripture there we're concluding our sermon series this morning on the book of exodus or on the exodus and we've been talking about freedom how many of you have freedom how many of you want freedom The book of Exodus and the story of the Exodus is your story and my story. It's the story of redemption. What we see in the Exodus in an Old Testament type we find fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and in his cross. And the full redemption of Israel is the full redemption that you and I have in Christ. So this morning I want us to conclude this series. Last week we left the nation of Israel standing on the edge of the Red Sea. And today I want us to continue on uh, there. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 3. For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel they are wandering aimlessly in the land and the wilderness has shut them in. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after them And I will be honored by Pharaoh and all his armies. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, and they did so. Now verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. Now, verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back with a strong east wind all night, and turned the sea into dry land, so the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on dry land, and the waters were like the wall to them on their right hand and their left. Then the I- Egyptians put took up the pursuit, and Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. At the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. And he caused their chariot wheels to swerve, and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, Let us flee from Israel, for the Lord is fighting for them against Israel the Egyptians. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the presence of the Holy Spirit among us. We are mindful that you have rescued us out of darkness and brought us into glorious light. And as we celebrate uh, you and your presence, we rejoice in being a part of the family of God. I pray now that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach the word and preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint this congregation that in hearing the word They might be stirred to faith and put it into practice in their life. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. The Exodus is one of the most remarkable miracles, perhaps the most remarkable miracle, other than the creation in the Old Testament. When you think about what God did for Israel uh, in delivering them out of Egypt, and parting the Red Sea, uh, you think about some extraordinary signs and wonders that God did for them. And they are no less than the signs and wonders that God has done in your life and in my life through the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is a good thing to study this portion of Scripture as we have been doing because in it are found so many truths and truths which I hope you have taken to heart and applied to your life are a few more truths I want to share with you this morning about this. And I want to begin right there with verse 3, where the Bible says that Pharaoh would say that the wilderness had shut the people in. You see, the wilderness was going to be the hallway or the passageway, as it were, between Egypt and the promised land. It was going to be the transition point between where they were and where God intended them to. To be. And this morning, uh, if you look at your Christian life, you'll discover that from time to time, you'll go through moments of transition, moments when it seems like you go through a wilderness period. And those places are not God's permanent uh, design or desire for you, but they are simply places that we are going to pass through, places that become a bridge to the place that God has for you. The wilderness was never supposed to be. Israel's long-term residence. They would end up spending 40 years there. But the fact was that God only intended for them to pass through it. And yet we hear Pharaoh say, I'm going to shut them in to the wilderness. You see, Pharaoh had already lost his power over the nation of Israel. They had already left Egypt. But now he wants to go and bring them back. He wants to take back what he has lost. This is the enemy's scheme and agenda to this day. You and I have been saved by God's grace. who have been delivered by the power of God. But the enemy will do anything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. He'll do anything he can to take you from receiving the full blessing and all that God has provided for you. Unfortunately, today there are many believers stuck in the wilderness. You see, because the enemy knows if he can't keep you in Egypt, At least he can keep you out of the promised land. He thinks that, well, I can't keep them in the bondage that I had them in, but I'll just make sure they don't grow beyond a certain point. I'll make sure they don't mature. And uh, he wants you to stay in the wilderness. He wants to shut you in to the wilderness. There are many people who have gotten shut in by the wilderness, by the, the, uh, the temporary place that God had for them. And I want to tell you this morning there are three areas where the enemy is going to try to work this way in your life. Some of you have begun a Christian walk and you have begun to walk with God. But there are these areas in your life that if you don't gain victory through Christ, the enemy will manage to use them to shut you in to the wilderness and keep you out of the promised land that God has for you. The first area I want you to think about that the enemy wants to use to shut you into the wilderness is the area of your old life. You know that sometimes the enemy will bring back your old life, your old customs, your old friends, and your old tools. He'll bring back the things that you used to do and the ways that you used to do them to try to woo you back to the place where he had you in bondage. He'll bring back your old customs. You know, before you knew Christ, There were things that you did that you don't do anymore in Christ. Say amen, somebody. You know, before you knew Christ, when you had a celebration, you celebrated in a certain way. When you mourned, you mourned in a certain way. There were ways that that you, uh, the customs that you had that uh, you attributed to certain holidays, but then you came to Jesus, and those old customs died, and new customs came about. Some of you, after uh, a death in the family, you would go and, and waste your, your time with uh, alcohol and try to, try to get over the, the uh, sentimentality of it. But then you came to Jesus. And now if someone dies in your family, you don't get drunk. You go and you find comfort in God. Say amen, somebody. Because you have a new custom. You have a new way of approaching life. Some of you, you, you only knew how to celebrate in a dance hall. You only knew how to celebrate in the nightclub. But then you came to Jesus and you found out that you can celebrate right here in the house of God and that there is a new life in Jesus. Amen, somebody. You have been given a new life, but the enemy will try to draw you back to those old customs. I just want to encourage anybody in here that's a new believer, if you just started walking with God, I want to give you a very practical principle, all right? Be careful with those transition points. There are two places that the enemy manages to get a new believer. Often, he'll get them at the holidays, and if he doesn't get them at the holidays, he'll get them at a funeral. You know that uh, many people who start their walk with God they're going they're going uh, s- steady they're they're serving the Lord they're being consistent with with their Bible study they're being consistent with church attendance they're being consistent with prayer and then the holidays come around they get around their old family or their old um, their old friends and the the old customs start drawing them back in and and if the enemy can't use that he'll use a moment of crisis in your life like the death of a loved one and, and you, you get around the people that, that do things the way you used to do them. And they start to draw you back in. And, friend, if you go for that, you're going to get stuck in the wilderness. You're going to get stuck outside of God's full promise for your life. Can I tell you there's a better life? Say man, somebody. There's a better thing that God has in mind for you. You know, some people, they go back to their old tools. You see, when you were in the world, your life before Christ, you had a series of tools that were at your disposal. Those tools were uh, anger, they were manipulation, they were lies, they were deceit, tools that helped you get your way. Some of you used trickery and and deceit in order to accomplish certain projects in your life. But then you came to Jesus and you got some new tools. You got the tools of love and forgiveness, grace, honesty, discipline. Those things came into your life and they are the product of walking with God. So the enemy will try to get you to go back to the old tools, to go back to doing things the way you used to do them. But if you go back, friend, you'll never be able to go forward to the plan that God has for your life. Another thing that causes people to get stuck in the wilderness is the trials and afflictions of life. Do you realize that the Bible says that afflictions arise because of the word? What does that mean, preacher? That means that the word of God is always going to be opposed by the enemy. When the word of God comes into your life, it changes you. The word of God transforms you. But then the enemy sees that word and he begins to oppose that word. Some of you thought, well, you know, if I go forward to the altar, I give my life to Christ, I'm going to get baptized in water. My life will be smooth sailing from now on, and there won't be any trouble in my life. And then guess what? Trials and trouble showed up in your life. Things that you never faced, you started facing now. And you realize, you know what? Uh, This isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. This wasn't as easy as, as it looked. And the reality is... That these trials and these troubles come as the enemy opposes the word of God in your life. James chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that there is a testing of our faith. We're going to go through trials and afflictions. But see, if you let those trials and afflictions discourage you, the wilderness will shut you in. You'll get stuck outside of the promised land that God has for you. You know what? I've, I believe we've come too far to get stuck in the trials of this life. We've come too far to lose courage and to lose hope because of some trouble that showed up in our life. You know, the apostle Paul, he said this. He said these light afflictions, say light afflictions. Think about that. Paul said the afflictions we face are light And momentary, you know that when you consider the the afflictions and the trials that we face and you take them by the grace and power of God, they become light afflictions. They become momentary. Paul says these momentary light afflictions are nothing to be compared with the glory that God has reserved for you. You realize that God has more glory for you than the trial you're going through this morning. So don't give up. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. And don't get discouraged by the hardships that you face. They are momentary. They are passing by. But there is a weight of glory that is eternal. There is something that God is at work in your life to do that is going to be far more lasting and far more glorious than you can imagine. The third thing that many times gets people trapped in the wilderness is what I call the reality check. What is the reality check? Well, I just mentioned it a moment ago, many times people come into faith and they think everything's going to be easy. And they think all the believers, all the Christians are perfect. Oh, look at those people at Kingsway Church. They're so perfect. Look at that pastor. He's so perfect. And then you get in and you realize these people aren't perfect at all. Guess what? Nobody's perfect. But you know, many times when you put your eyes on other Christians, you put your eyes on people, you get stuck in the wilderness. Many people have gotten stuck in their, in their journey of deliverance because they looked at other people. And you know, people like to—they like to pick on the fact that Christians are imperfect. Everybody is going to have some uh, bad apples in the group. And and I'll tell you this: I grew up in a pastor's home, and I uh, I have been around Christians my whole life. All right, and I've been I've been uh, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. In fact. Everybody that's ever lied about me was a Christian. And everybody that's ever falsely accused me was a Christian too. But, you know, I still wouldn't trade being a Christian for anything in the world. There's still no people that I would rather live my life with and take this journey of life with than Christians. Why? Because we're not perfect. We're redeemed. We've been saved. We've been transformed by the power of God. And we're headed toward our heavenly home. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the glorious fact that you and I have been called to be a family of God, and no, we're not perfect. Sometimes Christians make mistakes, but the reality is this, that if you look around the world, half of the hospitals in America are are funded by Christians. Say amen, somebody. And most of the orphanages and children's homes in America are run by Christians, and who is it that feeds the hungry and the homeless in this nation? It's Christians. That's why I say I'd rather be with this group of people because we have discovered something that for, for all of the weaknesses we may have, I have learned that Christians know how to love and Christians know how to forgive and Christians know how to embrace and Christians know how to be a family. And yes, some people say no, I'm not a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. I get it. I'm cool. That I understand all that. But the Bible says that they were called Christians at Antioch. And I am glad to be called a Christian. I'm glad to be called a child of God. Anybody in here glad to be called a Christian? But you see, the Bible never says, put your eyes on the Christians. The Bible says, put your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of the faith. He doesn't say look at Pastor Isaac. He says look to Jesus. He doesn't say look to Billy Graham. He says look to Jesus. He doesn't say look to the Pope. He says look to Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can lead you to the promised land. Say amen, somebody. And so if you put your eyes on people, you're going to get stuck in the wilderness. You're going to stop in a place that is short of what God has intended for you. Pharaoh said the wilderness is going to shut them in. Can I tell you this morning that although Pharaoh said that, because Pharaoh is a type of the enemy, he's a type of Satan, we know that it's a lie. The wilderness can't keep you. Say man, somebody. You see, every time the enemy opens his mouth, he's lying. You don't have to question. Any time the enemy opens his mouth, all he has to do is do this. And you already know, lie. Liar. And he wants to tell you this morning, you're not getting out. Well, you might be out of Egypt, but you're not getting out of this desert you're not getting out of this wilderness. You might not be what you were, but you're sure not going to be what you think you're going to be. And he wants to convince you that this is as far as you can go, that this is as much as God can do in your life. But can I tell you this morning, the devil is a liar. And God has a plan for your life. God has a future for your life. God has a hope for you. And this morning, if you will put your faith and trust in God, if you will just keep going in the direction as God leads, you're going to come out of the wilderness. You're going to come out of This place of transition into the full blessing and glory that God has in store for you. He said uh, the wilderness will shut them in. But I want to tell you, friend, that Satan couldn't keep them in Egypt, and Satan can't keep them in the wilderness. And you've got to make up your mind today and say, no, devil, you can't have my family. You can't have my health. You can't have my wealth. I belong to God, and my family belongs to God. I have worked too hard. I have prayed too long. I have fasted too much to stay in the wilderness. I'm going home. I'm going on to the plan and the purpose of God. In my life, Satan wants to convince you that there's nothing better. But God says to you, as he said to Moses that day, tell the people to go forward. Now, why is it that you and I won't get stuck in the wilderness? Why is it that you and I don't have to be trapped in this place of transition? Well, first of all, it is because God is leading us. You and I are being led by the hand of God. It is the Lord God who led them out of Egypt by His marvelous mighty hand. And Now the nation of Israel is seeing God in a physical manifestation of His power. First of all, they were led by a cloud by day. They went through this desert. They went into the desert without any covering, but they had the covering of God. And there was a cloud big enough to cover the whole nation. Now, just imagine that, a cloud that could cover two million people and their animals and their campsites. And when this nation would move, they would move because the cloud moved. If the cloud stopped, they stopped. If the cloud moved, they moved. And so long as they stayed under the cloud, they stayed in a place of safety and protection. Can I tell you this morning... That, that cloud represented the guidance and leadership of the Holy Spirit. And you and I don't have to stay in the wilderness because we have a leader. We have a guide. We have a, 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 a person greater than a cloud. He's not an it or a force. He's the third person of the Godhead. And he is the one leading and guiding your life. Isaiah said he comes behind you to say turn to the right, turn to the left, go forward. That is God's leadership in your life. And if you will follow the cloud, he will lead you to victory. If you will follow the cloud, he will lead you to freedom. If you will follow the cloud, he will lead you to blessing. Uh, When I was an evangelist several years ago, uh, you know, because Pentecostals, we have a tradition that after we have church, we have to eat, right? This is just the way it is. Uh, When we eat, we go to church and then we eat. And so the pastor said after the service, he said, Pastor Isaac, or Brother Isaac, he said, follow me to the restaurant. So... I followed him, he was driving a white minivan, and uh, I got stopped at a, at a stop sign, so he turned uh, ahead of me, and then when I turned, I got up to the stoplight, and there were two white minivans, and I didn't know which one was the pastor's, and I didn't have my cell phone on me, so I had to pick one. And I just decided that the one that was washed had to be the pastor. So I uh, I started following this white minivan, and I followed him into a residential area and then down some streets. And before long, we got into a really interesting residential part, and, and uh, we got into an ac- apartment complex. And the guy pulls into a driveway, and then he... He very carefully gets out of his car and turns around to look at who is this guy that's chasing me all through town. I was chasing the wrong cloud. Do you realize that that can happen this morning? If you don't get the leadership of the spirit, you'll follow any old thing. You've got to know the voice of the spirit. You've got to know the voice of God in your life. And if you will follow him. He'll lead you to truth. He'll lead you to advantage. He'll lead you to hope. He'll lead you out of bondage and out of fear. And he'll bring you to a place of blessing in your life. Not only were they led by a cloud by day, but they were led by a fire by night. This fire was a, a fire that led through the wilderness at night. You can imagine in those cold desert nights maybe much like what we had here last night the howling winds of the desert the blowing cold air of the desert and yet there was air conditioning over Israel there was a warmth uh, a climate control over the nation of Israel why because they were led by the fire of God they were led by the hand of a God who loved them a God who cared for them the Bible said that on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came he descended upon the church as close tongues of fire. Can I tell you friend. There is still a pillar of fire. That is leading the church. There is still a fire. That is igniting revival. In the heart of every man. That will seek God. He is the Holy Ghost. And if you will be led by him. He will bring you. Into a place of life. You see fire represents life. It represents the kindling of God's life. In our life. They were led by the hand of God. They were led by that. By that cloud and by that fire. And friends, maybe you look around and you say, Pastor, I don't see a cloud. I don't see a fire. I don't see anything in the natural, the tangible. But friend, if you'll just look over your life, you'll begin to discern that if it had not been God who was at work in your life, things would have ended very differently than they've ended. Uh, You would see that that you wouldn't have made uh, those decisions and you wouldn't have had those open doors if it hadn't been for the providential hand of God. And when you turn around and you look at your life and you see, you know what? I could have died in that car accident, but God was there. I could have died on that overdose, but God was there. I could have died of cancer, but God was there. You begin to realize, hey, my life is under a cloud. My life is under the fire. I am protected and I am led by God. Then the Bible says the second reason the wilderness could not close them in was because the Lord was fighting for them. What a phrase. What a a passage. First of all, I want you to notice who said it. Who said these words? Pharaoh said these words. Pharaoh came to the realization that the Lord was fighting for them. That word, Lord, is that word in the Old Testament, Yahweh. It is the holiest name of God. Pharaoh recognized Yahweh is fighting for them. You realize that that day that Pharaoh went out to chase the nation of Israel, when he went out to recapture his property, so he thought, he met his match when he met Yahweh in the wilderness. He met his match On the day that he came after the people of God. Can I tell you friend. That the enemy has met his match. Because our God is fighting for us. You see when he had you to himself. There was no defense for you. There was no one to stand up for you. There was no one to advocate for you. When the enemy had you in his hand. He could do whatever he wanted with you. But now you belong to God. Now you belong to Christ. Come on somebody. Now you're a part of the family of God. And the enemy has to contend with the Lord God Almighty. And it is the Lord God who is fighting for you. I want you to say this with with me this morning. The Lord is fighting for me. Say it again. The Lord is fighting for me. Do you realize that Israel had no army? They had no defense. They had no weapons. They had no general, but they had God. And friend, if you don't have an army and you don't have weapons and you don't have strategy, but you have God, you have everything that you need. He is the help to the helpless. He is the way maker. He is the deliverer of those who trust in him. Come on, somebody. God is fighting for you. I don't know what you're in right now. I don't know what battles you're facing. I don't know what Pharaoh looks like in your life. But I can tell you this. If you're a child of God, God is fighting for you. The psalmist said this, Psalm 121. He said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He said, he will not suffer my foot to be moved. And he will not slumber. For behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade on my right hand. The sun will not smite me by day nor the moon by night. For the Lord will keep me from the evil. And the Lord will keep my life. The Lord will keep me. He will keep my going out and my coming in from this time forth and forevermore why because the Lord is fighting for me the psalmist said some boast in chariots some boast in horses but I will trust in the Lord I will trust in the name of the Lord my God the other again the psalmist said in Psalm 27 the Lord is my light and my salvation Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Of whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries, and my enemies, they stumbled and they fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though the war rise against me, in spite of this, I will be confident. Why? Because the Lord is fighting for me. Psalm 103, one of my favorite Psalms. The psalmist says, Many are they who increased, who troubled me. And many are they that say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. Thou art my glory and the lifter of my head. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the fact that God is fighting for you. Hell has met its match because God is fighting for you. And our God knows no defeat. He knows no retreat. Moses and the people panicked when they saw Pharaoh. They saw the army, they saw the weapons, they saw the chariots. They looked at their children and their aged, and they feared for their life. They said to Moses, "Why did you bring us out here to die? Weren't there enough graves in, in Egypt?" Moses went to God. God had a real simple answer for Moses. He said, what are you standing around crying for? Don't you just hate it when God gets right to the point? What are you crying about? Maybe this morning God's telling somebody, what are you crying about? What are you standing around looking at me for? Go forward. That was God's instruction to Israel, and it's God's instruction to you this morning. What are you standing around crying about? Crying about how many trials there are in your life. Crying about afflictions. Crying about other Christians who let you down. Crying about family members who let you down. Crying about things you can't control. God said, forget about all that and go forward. Go forward. And then he says something even more impossible to Moses. He says, Stretch your rod over the sea and divide it. Up until this point, I didn't see anything in the manual that said how to divide a sea. But God said, stretch your rod over it and divide it. God gives outrageous instructions to those who believe him. In the Gospels, we read that the disciples came to Jesus. They said, oh, we don't have any food to, to give the people and their hunger. He said, feed them. That's how God works. He says to Moses, divide the sea. Moses didn't have the instructions for that. He had to believe God by faith. He had to trust that the God who had delivered him thus far would deliver him all the way. And can I tell you, friend, God has told you the same thing. He says that if you will speak to that mountain and command it to be removed, that it will be moved according to your faith, according to your word. Is there anybody in here that believes God this morning? God's instruction to you is go forward. Forward in your prayer life. Forward in your Bible study. Forward in evangelism. Forward in God's love. Forward in your love for your wife. Forward in your love for your children. Forward in your love for your husband. Forward in your finances. Forward in your health. Forward in your ministry. Forward toward the prize. Behind you is only bondage and brutality. Behind you is death and defeat. Behind you is sorrow and sadness. Which is the way to victory? Forward. Which is the way to life? Forward. Which is the way to healing? Forward. Which is the way to purity? Forward. Which is the way to peace? Preacher, go forward. Which is the way to freedom? Forward. Go forward in the name of Jesus. Forward to the blessing of God. Forward to the promise of God in your life. Don't stay in this wilderness. Go forward. Moses stretched his rod over the sea. And as he answered God, as he Obeyed God in that instruction. The Bible said, The Lord sent a strong wind that blew all night long, and it parted the waters of that sea. Two sides of the sea stood up like mighty walls of water. And the, the ground, the floor of the sea became dry, and God's people walked across the Red Sea floor on dry ground. You see, when you were baptized in water, we baptized you in water to remember that day when God baptized the whole nation of Israel in one day. He redeemed an entire nation of slaves. But here's what I want you to see. When they went into the water, they were slaves. But when they came out on the other side, they were children of God. They were sons of God. Can I tell you, friend, when you came to Jesus, you came as a slave. But you're not a slave anymore. You're a son. You're a daughter. You have been redeemed. You have been purchased. You've been adopted into the family of God. And God says to you today, I have bought you with a price. I bought you for freedom. Not for slavery, not for bondage. Go forward. They went into that sea. You can imagine the apprehension that they sensed as they experienced this incredible miracle. Things that are not, not supposed to happen in the natural were happening as they walked in faith before God. They came to the other side of the sea. And Pharaoh said, well, if they did it, so can we. And he got into that sea. And the Bible said that when he was in the middle of the sea, that the Lord looked down at Pharaoh. And he confused his army. And he gave them all uh, wheel trouble. And all of a sudden, their chariots were malaligned. And they were starting to have a great panic. And Pharaoh looked up at God and said, you know what? The Lord is fighting for Israel. Let's get out of here. But before he could get out of the sea... That day, the Bible said that the Lord swept the waters back over the sea and drowned that army of Pharaoh. Why? Because the Lord said, this Pharaoh that you see today, you will never see him again forever. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about what God has done for you. God has provided a perfect deliverance. So that on the side, on the freedom side of the Red Sea, you can sing like the nation of Israel. You can sing with Moses and say, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider has been hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. His name, uh, he, his name is to be praised, and I will praise him. My Father's God, I will exalt. Exalt him. For the Lord is my warrior. Yahweh is his name. The Lord this morning is your warrior. He's fighting for you. Go forward. Go forward. Tell your neighbor, I dare you. Tell Tell him, I dare you to go forward. I don't know, that's kind of scary. Tell them again, I double dare you to go forward. One more. I triple hot dog dare you (laughs) to go forward. Is there anybody here this morning that's just made up your mind? I gotta go forward. I've got to go forward for my marriage. I've got to go forward for my children. I've got to go forward for my finances. Come on, somebody. I can't stay in this wilderness. I've got to go forward. I've got to go forward. My victory is right on the other side. My healing is just on the other side. My deliverance is just on the other side. Come on, somebody. Make up your mind. I'm going forward. If you won't go with me, I've got to go. I can't stay here. I can't do this anymore. I've got to go onward. I've got to go upward to the high mark of the call of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, if there's anybody in here that's made up your mind, that you're going forward, I want you to come into this altar. I want you to just begin to celebrate your victory. Begin to celebrate the glorious provision of God in your life. Come on make up your mind. Make a decision this morning. I'm not going to stand around here crying. I'm not going to stand about here around here remembering my past. Mourning over my past. I've got to go forward. Onward. Onward to your victory. Onward to your miracle. Onward to your deliverance. Yes. Yes, Lord. Almighty God. I speak deliverance this morning. Freedom from every fear. Freedom from every anxiety. Freedom from worry. Freedom from apathy. My people... Oh God, you said it, my people. My people, go forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Almighty God, we stand on the assurance. It's because of the blood of the Lamb that we can go forward, it's because of the cloud that leads us. We're not alone. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. You are God's own child.